Hi, I'm Jess Coburn, CEO of Applied Innovations. And today I'm here with Robert Rensfeld. Robert's company is Trapezoid Security, correct, Robert? Yes, sir. All right. Robert's company is Trapezoid Security. And he helps businesses um, remain secure in a very unique way. Robert, why don't you talk a little bit about your company and what you do there? Thanks, Jess. Will do. So my name is Robert Ronsoval with Trapezoid, and we've got a tool that looks at the firmware of systems. So traditionally, when you think about security tools, you've got your endpoint devices, you've got endpoint protection, antivirus. And what happened with, with us is, gosh, it's been about 10 years ago now or 15 years ago. My previous company, we were doing a lot of work with the federal government. And I was in one of our data centers with a federal customer and they said, you know, Robert, if one of these servers in your data center arrives and it's already compromised, when, you, when it arrives brand new, what do you do? And I said, I was like, what are you talking about? And they said, well, if the server arrives and you swap out the hard drive and it's still compromised, what do you do? And I was like, gosh, that's, that's a great question. And what they were talking about, they were talking about uh, either attacks in the supply chain or attacks at the BIOS of fir or firmware of systems. And firmware is really what allows your operating system like Microsoft or Linux or whatever it is to, or any of the cool new operating systems. Even if you're in the cloud, there's an operating system and it runs on hardware, it runs on servers. So it's what allows the operating system and software to interact and do things on the hardware. So we started thinking about how do you, you know, how do you gain visibility down at the at these low levels. So we built a tool that basically gives you visibility down at the firmware level of systems. And what's happened is, uh, if you are a doing business with the federal government, or if you're a federal agency involved with uh, NIST compliance audits, there's some requirements out there that address firmware. And we uh, we have we meet all those uh, audit and compliance requirements around firmware. And we also give you a forensic tool to see what's going on at that level. So at that firmware level, at that hardware level, a lot of business owners don't think about that. The, the ultra cybersecurity guys, they absolutely think about that and they go even further, right? Does it happen, Robert? Do people hack in the supply chain? Well, you have seen a lot of supply chain and right now there's a huge discussion on supply chain based on everything going on but you've seen a couple of things um, there was an instance where some dell servers and it wasn't from dell themselves but a supply chain partner if your system board on your server went bad and you ordered a new system board and put it in there was malware on that system board so you boot it up and if you hit uh, if you hit the button to go into diagnostics, your network is now compromised. So there's been, the, that's an older instance, but what we've seen is uh, certain manufacturers coming with either BIOS updates that have vulnerabilities, or there's been rumors of backdoors and things like that in the actual hardware. So I'll show you something. Have you seen this before? Put it up here so you can see Oh, is that, that is a USB cable. Is that one of the compromised USB cables? Um, this is an OMG cable. So 
this is the OMG cable, and it looks identical to the Apple cable, identical to the cable that you get from Apple, down to the markings, everything. It's very hard to tell. But yeah, this is a, it's got a small microchip in there. I can program it. The moment you plug this into your computer, it's going to appear as a keyboard and mouse, and it's going to start typing commands in as if you were typing commands in. So if you're connected to your computer and logged in as an administrator, you plug this in, whatever commands I type in, it's going to type in. So the antivirus software isn't going to pick up on that because it's going to think that you're the one actually typing in there. And uh, it's something that business owners need to be aware is out there. And that's one of the reasons why I bought it. But uh, it was expensive. It was like a hundred bucks. Yeah, that that's pretty interesting. And really there's, when you're thinking about those types of attacks, there's four changes we're looking for, um, and that's changes in hardware. So you plug in a new cable, you you may see breadcrumbs of a new device somewhere. Um, you look for changes in the firmware if it's possible. So uh, sometimes there's ways to get uh, pre-execution measurements of firmware, depending on what server you're running on. Um, you look at the configuration. So there's, you look at how is this thing configured and has anything changed that might be an indicator. And the other, the final thing is operational metrics. So if something's running and all of a sudden there's a big power spike or there's a big network traffic spike, those might be indicators of a firmware issue. Now, Robert, you know, we're in the midst of COVID-19 and coronavirus. Businesses are all being forced to go remote and distributed now, and, and they're struggling with that. Tell me about Trapezoid and your business. You've got employees, you've got a team. You guys, do you, you guys go remote? We, we do. Our, our headquarters office is in Miami. Um, I live in Northern Virginia. Um, and we have d distributed teams, so we're we're mostly uh, we're mostly cloud based. You know, like like what you're doing, like the direction you take business. So we um, you know, we really don't have any. The only thing we have on prem that is important for us down in Miami is our hardware lab. So we're we're remoting into that, um, but if that goes offline, it's not going to impact our business at all. And that lab could live anywhere. It's just convenient to have it there where the techs are, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so as a remote company, what do you do to keep yourself safe and secure? We do the, we do the basic hygiene stuff that a lot of people talk about. We um, encrypt laptops. We run endpoint protection. We're uh, two-factor authentication. Uh, we, we try to do the... We try to do the basics. Um, that that's for our remote employees, and then you know we're depending on where we're accessing. We're using VPN technology and and things like that. Cool. And then let's talk about productivity and maintaining culture, and you know collaboration. What do you guys do to remain? What do you do particularly to remain productive throughout the day working from home? There's a ton of distractions. The, there are. It, it's funny because if you've been 
it's it's right now it's new for a lot of people like oh i'm working from home we've been uh, we've we've been remote for a while so it it's been it's been several it's been a few years that we've distributed out and have our folks work work remote um again i'm up in northern virginia so when i'm i'll go take meetings here and there around the dc area with our customers and whatnot but for the most part i i'm working uh, home remote and uh, I just build a schedule and, and do the meetings and all, all of that good stuff. And one of the nice things about working, working remote and from home and even, uh, you know, even now with it's, it's not only just working remote, but it's, you're not even able to pop out to, uh, a distraction like a Starbucks or something. So, uh, you can use a lot of that time for, to be even more productive or do additional projects or learning that you want. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I'm trying to get smarter on right now is the Kubernetes technology, which is a uh, cloud-based uh, compute technology. So It's a lot of fun, man. It's the future of the world. Yep, that's, that's so where I think, things are I think going. Kubernetes is just containers in general is really going to change business. It's definitely changed the the web infrastructure and you know all things SaaS already. How do you how do you manage the team? How do you guys stay connected? That's a great question. And we we have Slack channels that we're using. Slack is a uh, cloud based messaging technology, but also we're doing a lot of uh, we're doing a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, I like to have. Um, I like to have video where possible so that, you know, you can kind of see, uh, see facial expressions and stuff like that. It, it just makes it a little more personal than, uh, than a phone call or, a, you know, just, just voice. So it's nice to be able to, it's nice to be able to uh, see the team. Yeah. You know, it's good that you mentioned Slack and, and Zoom. I, you know, being such a Microsoft nerd, I've, I've just talked about Microsoft Teams. In fact, we're using Zoom now for this recording because we did, we did your podcast a moment ago, but um, yeah, there are other solutions. You know, a lot of companies, believe it or not, still don't like Microsoft. And what the company's about, I had a call yesterday, a sales call yesterday, and the company said, well, my CIO is really not a fan of the Microsoft cloud. We want Amazon. I'm like, okay, no problem. And uh, it was a Zoom call. And without a question, those guys use Slack internally. Slack is, you know, it was a predecessor, actually, even the Teams. And it's kind of set that ball rolling, I feel, for collaboration and the value you can have within an organization. And then Zoom, I find that Zoom is probably the easier of the, of the two to use. And it sounds like it's got features that would really be useful to me, too. Um, well, one of, the thing, one of the things I do like about Zoom is I, I do like the recording capabilities and so I'll record a meeting, and then depending on the depending on the level of account you have, I don't think we have the that one, but you can have the calls auto transcribed if you have. I I think you need to have a hundred users or some business account or something like that. But there's services out there that you can just upload the audio file and have it uh, have it auto transcribed, and then uh, make meeting notes. So it's really pretty easy to capture to capture things and. I like that because I can, I can go back and I don't have to focus as much on writing down notes while I'm trying to pay attention. So I use, I, I use an application called otter.ai. It, it runs on your phone. Yep. 
that that's the one it actually I believe or last time I looked that's the back end of what Zoom uses if you have the commercial if you have the higher end uh Zoom account. Yep. Usually I just use the free version of that on my phone and I just set it next to the speakers and the microphone. It, yep. Same same here. It works great. Love it. It's fantastic. It picks it up. Um you know with the tablet uh since we're since talking about it I, I use an iPad and I use a program on there called um Notability and I use that to take notes whenever I'm in a meeting. And you can record the audio while you're taking notes. And you can play back the audio at different places on the page. So you could touch on the page where you wrote the note and hear the audio that was going on when you wrote that note. It's oh, really, that's super cool. I mean, that's kind of a, a productivity pro tip there. So I, I like that a lot. And it backs up to Dropbox or OneDrive or wherever you want it to go to, too. Nice. So I'll, I'll have to check that out. So that, that's really good. So back to... Um, Working remote and yep. uh, all of that. So as a business owner today that's, you know, staring on the barrel of COVID-19, what's your recommendation to them as they look to go remote? That, well, that's, I've been having and hearing a lot of conversations about that. Like, what do you, what do you do and uh, monitoring? So if you're, uh, if you're small to midsize, you're in the cloud, you might be in the cloud or semi-remote already. Um, I think as you're a bigger company and you're needing to do things like uh, maybe virtual desktop, VPN in, and you're worried about uh, attackers and things like that, you know, it, it always comes down to basic hygiene. And, you know, we, we solve a hard problem with firmware. Um, but I, I do think if you do, you know, there's the Center for Internet Security, like the top five things. Um, but things that are coming to mind for me right now is people are connecting in remote and there's a whole lot of new uh, VPN connections or connections is, is spending some cycles figuring out how you can, if you're a security person, how you can monitor those, those connections, how you can detect um, users who may not be uh, the authorized users. So things like turning on the two-factor authentication, things like making sure you're logging is turned on, you're sending those logs somewhere. Um, you know, again, these are basic hygiene things, but if you're paying attention to that, a lot of times that's where you'll catch, uh, that's where you'll catch the, uh, the attackers. That's great feedback, especially for the small businesses that aren't thinking about it or for the IT companies managing that for them. We do that for a lot of our customers is we help them set that up and configure that even remote. I mean, the beauty of it is, is that with internet connectivity and with technology the way it is, hardware is super reliable these days. Right. Remotely support our customers from anywhere, regardless if they're in, you know, Boca Raton or if they're in California or customers in Milwaukee and Texas, all over. Yeah. yeah I think the other thing that that's kind of flopping around in the back of my head is you're monitoring those connections and a specific technology to look at and be monitoring as PowerShell because it's kind of a known, it's a known and approved a lot of times technology and it's how, you know, an attacker will, um, you know, traditional, they'll send an email, they'll get, get credentials. Uh, they're a lot of times they're using a tool called uh, Mimi cats or something that gets your, gets your password. And then, and then you've got a bad guy or gal logging in as an authorized user and, 
you know, that's how, that's how everything starts. So just paying attention to not only uh, normal failed login attempts, but looking at what uh, your authorized users are doing and monitoring technologies, again, like PowerShell, because that's how a lot of them are moving around. Not just that, but also the device on the other end, right? You've secured the network, you've secured the VPN. Are they using their home device? Is that the same device that their kid plays Roblox on? Possibly. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. And uh, so, you know, you need to look at that. So one of the things we do for our customers is we'll install our managed antivirus there and yeah. really our entire security stack. We've got a suite of tools that we'll install and run a scan and baseline that machine and keep an eye on it. Um, you know, there's, there's some great tools that are really affordable and inexpensive to deploy. But to your, to your point about that, I think just having those tools on there and updated and somebody keeping an eye on them, uh, that is, um, that'll stop a good chunk of stuff that'll, that that'll get, you know, that'll get most of it. And having somebody watch for those other things is, is good as well. What about the guys that are just going to open up port 3389 and allow RDP or remote desktop services? And just say, okay, just open up remote desktop to my network. Good idea? No. I'm just trying to think. The recent uh, attack I was in, involved in responding to for a um, Fortune 500 uh, ra ransomware attack, they um, made heavy use of credentialed users and remote desktop, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's definitely don't just open it up to the internet. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, what, what's interesting, Robert, is I don't know if you've ever done this or not. I use a tool called Binary Edge. There's another one, Shodan. Mm -hmm. And both of them allow you to search images and look for text. You can go in there and search for desktop images and type the word encrypted and see the number of machines that are open, available, and connected to the internet. It could be remote desktop, BNC, whatever, that have been exploited by ransomware. You'll see a screenshot of the machine with the ransomware encrypted message on it because some bot, you know, just logged into the machine and encrypted probably that machine, probably the entire network. A lot of these right. ransomware attacks we see with small businesses start there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's scary stuff. Robert, is there anything else you want to add? No, Jess, I, I appreciate you taking the time. If you want to uh, find out more about me or our company, uh, I'm on my company, Trapezoid, is on LinkedIn. Uh, I hang out on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, if you want to see, you know, trail running and jujitsu stuff and, um, you know, all my goofy uh, personal stuff. But, uh, no, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, love to love to catch up. I'm in the Northern Virginia area, and I uh, appreciate you having me on. And one thing you didn't mention is that you know I've been converting my my video interviews. I've been calling them cyberside chats, and I actually read I actually created a podcast. I converted the podcast. I created cyberside.chat. But I reached out to Robert and got feedback and recommendations and tips from Robert because he actually started this podcasting thing before me. Can you? talk about your podcast yes i neglected to even bring that up i've totally escaped me even though we just recorded an episode for me so thank you um i started a podcast called the synac finac podcast so if you're into uh networking or really 
what I'm talking to a lot of people about is, is how to advance your career in cyber and also what's going on in technology. Um, so I've got some uh, great interviews coming up about uh, Kubernetes and some other uh, some other things like that, as well as every person I talk to, I ask them, what, what do you need to do to get ahead in your cyber career if you want to get into cyber? Uh, so there's a lot of great information there. So it's the podcast is called the Synac Finac Podcast. And if you're not a network geek like me, it's S Y N A C K F I N A C K podcast. And it's wherever podcasts are uh, found, you can, you can find it there. So appreciate it. Robert, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful day. Hey, thank, thanks, Jess.